The church say amen. amen. Jesus is the fairest of ten thousands and everything that we'll ever need. We just need Jesus. We need Jesus. And thank God for his goodness and for his mercy. It's good to see you here uh, this evening. Those who are here uh, physically and those online, we praise God for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this beautiful opportunity to worship you to be able to discuss matters from your holy and divine word. Pray, Lord God, that your word will sink deep into our hearts and as we hear it, we'll challenge ourselves to make necessary changes and where there's encouragement, Lord God, we pray you'll uh, encourage us. Pray, Lord God, we need strength that you'll pick us up. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, who did your work, Lord God, who did your bidding, who did the bidding of the Godhead, who worked until he said, it is finished. Thank you for the resurrection and the power therein. These things we pray and thank you for in Jesus' wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name, if it be thy will. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, church. Walking home to glory. Each of us are called home one day. We'll all be called home. And this life is... A journey that we go on, and it's beginning, uh, it, it begins, and then we come to Christ, and then it eventually ends. The question tonight that I want you to think about is, are you ready for the day when Jesus calls you home? If God spoke to you today and said, tomorrow you're coming home. What type of reaction would you have? And I want to talk about that tonight. That's kind of what this lesson is going to be all about. Walking home to be glory, to glory rather. So the answer could be found in the way that you're living your life now. Right? It could be found in that. But let's look at some scriptures for just a moment. Genesis 3 and verse 8. James alluded to this. In our Thursday night uh, class, they heard the sound of the Lord walking, of God walking in the garden on the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And yet, they had been naked all this time. What was the difference? Sin. Right? Sin. And, And sin is what causes us to react in such a way to where maybe we aren't ready to stand before God. Second Kings chapter 20, please. The sin in our lives. Now, I wonder today how, how serious sin really is. I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, our world is, has, has dumbed everything else down to where, you know, God is, God is not as powerful as He used to be. Or, you know, worship isn't as important as it once was in the minds of the world and even, even the lowest church, sadly enough. But it's sin. It's sin that separates man from God. In Second Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah, was he ready? Listen to what it says beginning in verse 1. In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord. 
I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He just wasn't ready to go. What if God said, son of man, tomorrow you're going to go home. Are you ready? I'm not sure how I would respond. Uh, I hope and pray that I respond in a very godly way. In a man, the way, <coughs> excuse me, a man of faith. I hope that's how I respond. Acts 21. You know, we can say all day long how we're going to respond, but it's not until you're in that position when you can actually say, this is how I responded. I want to be ready. When God calls me home. How about you? I want to be ready spiritually. I want to be ready when he calls me home. That takes work now to be ready the day he calls you home. Like, for example, the Apostle Paul, verse 8 of Acts 21. Now the next day we departed and came to Caesarea. Caesarea, excuse me. And entering the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was One of the seven, we stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. And as we were staying there for some days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. And this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking the will of the Lord be done. He says, I'm ready. And you see, as we live our lives, Matthew chapter 7, we continually come to these forks in the road. We have to make the decision to follow Jesus or to follow the world. And at the fork of life, we're on these, these highways, if you will, and, and we've got to decide which way we're going to go. And in verse 13, God already tells us to enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and many of those who are into buying. God says, I'm telling you, there's an easy way. This is the way everybody's going, as we speak uh, in a hyperbolic uh, statement, hyperbolic statement. Everyone's going that way, Lord. That's why I'm going with them. But Jesus says, that's not the way to go. Verse 14, for the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few, few find it. Which will I choose? Turn to Isaiah 35, please. The highway of life on to heaven's road or the highway of death, spiritual death. And you know what's amazing? The choice is mine to make. God has done his part. The door is open. Heaven's gate, the invitation is ready. But I have to make the choice. In Isaiah 35 and verse 8, 
And the highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. It's not one of those highways. When you're talking about Christianity, you're not going to stumble into heaven. Turn to Psalm chapter 15. Uh, giving to he- going to heaven takes purpose. You have to have this desire in your heart and this willingness to obey God every day. You're not going to just trip and end up on that highway. You're not going to walk aimlessly and then end up on the highway. You have to live your life with purpose, right? We have to live our lives for Jesus, making a, a good, conscious decision, an honest decision to follow Jesus all the way. Psalm 15, beginning at verse 1. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell in thy holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. You see, this is not a stumbling game. This is purposeful living. Living this way. Walking in integrity. Verse 3. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out money at, his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. It's with purpose. With purpose. Okay, now I want to look at a few folks. Deuteronomy 32, please. Who literally walked home to glory. Look at their reaction, their response, their relationship to the Lord. Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, beginning at verse 48. And the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up to this mountain of Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho. And look at the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. Then die on the mountain. So God's talking to you. He says, Tony, I want you to, I want you to go on that mountain. And when you get to that mountain, I'm going to show you a few things. And that's going to be the end of your life. And my question tonight is, if that were you, how would you approach that a mountain? How would you walk up the mountain? Would it be one of those really long, slow walks? Would, would you run up the mountain as fast as you could? Would you walk up the mountain kicking rocks? Would you find an excuse not to go up the mountain? How would you walk up that mountain? So God says to him, go up to this mountain, verse 49 of Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh. 
and the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. Would you go up that mountain arguing, saying, God, but these people drove me crazy. And look at all the sins they committed. And, and look at what so-and-so did. And, and look at how they lived their life. And, and I'm better than them. And how would you go up the mountain? How do you see God in your heart today? How much anger, how much anger stirs up in your heart because you're upset with God about something you didn't receive? Or upset about with God about something that didn't happen the way you thought it should happen? How would you approach that mountain? God, I committed all, many sins, but, but not as many as Israel. And you're holding me accountable for this one sin. That's not what he did. Verse 52. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the sons of Israel. Deuteronomy 34, please. You have a bucket list. I'm going to do all this stuff before I die. How are you walking today home to glory? Verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, and the Negev, and the plain of Valley of Jericho, and the city of palm trees, as far as Zor. He went to the top of the mountain, didn't he? I want you to get that. He went to the top of the mountain. Did he go there with joy? You see, when I get to the top of the mountain, God's going to bring me home. I get to go home to glory. God did as he promised, even to the end of Moses' life. He says, you can't go there, but I'm going to show it to you. Verse 4. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor but no man knows his burial place to this day Moses I would speculate that Moses walked home to glory and simple trusting faith go to Second Kings chapter 2 we have an example of, of what we ought to do. We ought to live our lives so that the day that God calls us home, we'll be able to walk home to glory in simple, trusting faith. Faith. Trusting that God knows what is best. In Second Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as, Beth, uh, as far as Bethel. 
But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. And so there was Elisha who said, I, I've got to go with you. I've got to walk with you all the way to the end, Moses. What a, what a beautiful friend. I need to walk with you all the way to the end. Because this is the day that you're going home. And the prophets were prophesying to Elisha saying, You know God's taking your master home today. And Elisha said, Be still. I want to talk about this right now. And verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. Stay here. Why did, why did Elijah say for Elisha to stay here? Today there's this, this uh, you know, this in the world of hospice and all that. No man dies alone. There's, everyone has this fear of dying alone. If your life is right, you'll never die alone. You go with Jesus, right? You go with Jesus. And Elijah, though he knew he was walking home to glory, he looks to his side and he sees Elisha and he says, Elisha, stay here. I'm going to be with God. And in other words, Elijah had so much faith and confidence in God, he didn't need Elisha walking by his side. He was walking with God. But you have to be walking with God now. To be able to say you'll walk with God later. In verse 4. And Elijah said to him. Elisha please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said. As the Lord lives. And as you yourself live. I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho. Approached Elisha and said to him. Do you know that the Lord will take away your master. From over you today. And he said. He answered yes. I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please, stay here. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And it said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. In other words, Elisha wouldn't leave Elijah. Now, here's another thought. If God calls you home, would you, would you worry about what you haven't purchased yet? You know, I, I need this. I need to take. You know, if, if God called us home, could anyone just, you know take a U-Haul with you, right? Like get all my stuff and bring it with me. No, no, that, that's not the way this works. And Elijah's mantle fell. Can you imagine if that were me? If that were you on a chariot. God has taken you up in a chariot, and your mantle falls. You try to grab it. You can't take that with you. Not where you're going. In verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 11. Let me go back to verse 11. Then it came about as they were going along and talking. That behold there appeared a chariot of fire. And horses of fire. Which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elijah saw it and cried out. My father. My father. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them in two pieces. 
He also took up the mantle of Elisha that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. How are you, how are you viewing heaven's home? Look at Job chapter, chapter one. Job chapter one. How are you viewing your, your, your place? You know, when you go to the cemetery, you, you know, we know this, right? As God's people, there aren't, there aren't any dead folks in the cemeteries, right? Those are the corpse, right? Dead folks are in the, the land of paradise or Tartarus. There are no dead folks. And those folks are living. There are no dead folks in the cemeteries. And we can take nothing with us when we go. So then how much value do you put on stuff? Right? You're just going to leave it to someone else. Right? Verse 20. Job with all this suffering. And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin. Nor did he blame God. You see, we know already that, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we know already that everything we acquire is going to be moth-eaten and rust-destroyed, but none of that will go with us when we die. Why do we place so much emphasis on money and materialism when you're going to leave it anyway? Place your emphasis on spirituality. Verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 5, the Bible says, There is a grievous evil which I've seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment and he had fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. And this also is a grievous evil. Exactly as man is born, thus he will die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? The way you came is the way you're going. The way I came is the way I'm going. Naked. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. So why do we place so much emphasis on the material. How is your walk today with Jesus? As you're walking towards your eternal home. First Timothy 6 beginning at verse 6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain. When accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world. And we, so we can take nothing out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these we shall be content. Let's think about Jesus. Jesus. Matthew 26. You know, the whole walk of Jesus was about walking home to glory. 33 years is all he lived on the earth. And in those 33 years, we're all focused on, on walking home to glory. And you know, really, the, the thought of, of being a Christian and walking with Jesus... From the day we became a child of God, thank you, Lord, we began our walk home to glory. Prior to that, we were walking, but not necessarily home to glory. 
But once we reached the age age of accountability, we began to walk the opposite direction. But now as a child of God, we're walking home to glory, which means every day we have to make our, our minor, hopefully minor adjustments, right? As we check ourselves, think about who we are, think about what we've been displaying as a Christian. When people see us, do they see Christ or do they see Satan? I mean, really, that's the only choice, right? When they see us, do do they see Christ or do they see the devil? So we're making these adjustments in our lives every day. Jesus lived his life for 33 years, walking home to glory. In verse 1 of Matthew 26, it came about that when Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. And the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. Only Jesus could handle the understanding of how he's going to die, when he's going to die, and what he had to do to make sure that death happened in a godly way. It would drive us crazy if we knew when we were going to die. If God said, June 5th, 2023... The end of the world's coming, just so you all know. Some of us will walk away until June 4th and come back and repent, right? Y'all know it's true. (laughs) Some of us would say, okay, I need to get this right before June 5th, before Jesus comes back. But Jesus handled it perfectly, knowing the beginning and knowing the end. And in verse 46, as he explained to them what was about to happen, that I'm about to be crucified, understanding everything about the crucifixion. In verse 46, Jesus says, Arise, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays us, or betrays me rather, is at hand. I'm ready. I mean, he was ready, right? I want to be like Jesus. John 12. I want to be ready when that day comes. Here's what I know. What I know is I can't change that day. I know that God knows when that day is. And I know that God has everything under control. All that I have to do is live my life faithfully for Jesus. Live my life obediently. And then I can be ready for the day he calls me home. Walk the walk of faith. Walk home to glory with joy in your heart as you live from day to day. Look at verse 23. Jesus was ready. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Okay, it's time, brethren. It's about to happen. I'm about to glorify the Father. Uh, But Jesus, you're about to really tremendously suffer. You see, Jesus' mind was not focused on the physical His mind was focused on the spiritual. I'm about to glorify the Father and save the world and draw men unto me. In verse 27, same chapter, uh, the Bible says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And there came therefore a voice out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. He was ready. How did Jesus walk at the end of his life? And we were talking about his entire life, right? Turn to Hebrews 12. But at the very end of his life, 
when it came down to where where someone might say the rubber hits the road, you know, he, he talked about living, he talked about dying, he talked about honoring the Father, he talked about faith and faithfulness, and so many other things. But when it came down to it, Jesus, when it comes down to it, when you're about to die, how does Jesus handle this? Look at verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart How did he do it? With joy. He happily walked home to glory. Joy. So much so to where the centurion who's watched thousands of deaths. I'm speculating. I don't know how many, but there was a lot of crucifixion back in those days. There was a lot of death in those days. There was a lot of torture in those days. And the centurion watched people die on that cross. He watched every aspect of the cross, the nails, the suffering, the gasping for air, the drowning in your own blood. He watched it. But when he saw Jesus, he said, oh, he's different. He's different. Truly, this was the Son of God. Tonight, what kind of faith do you have? What kind of walk are you walking? And what kind of joy is in your heart? Tonight we looked at Jesus and Paul. We looked at Moses, Elijah. We looked at Jesus. And they all walked home to glory. And Jesus walked home to glory. And each one of them were called. And each one of us will be called. Are you ready for the day that God calls you home? And I guess, to close out, putting things into perspective, what kind of home are you looking for? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. If indeed they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God He has prepared a city for them. Which country are you seeking after? This one? Or the one to come? Be thou faithful, the Bible says, until death. The lesson is yours. I pray that something was said. Encourage, strengthen your faith this evening. If you're not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. If there's a need, please contact us. Please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?
spring. Tis the fount of love from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam from the throne of life now it flows while the waters roll let the weary soul hear the call that forth freely goes will you come to the fountain free will you come tis for you soul, hear the welcome call, tis a fountain open for all. There's a rock that's cleft, and no soul is left, that may not its pure water share. Tis for you and me, and it's dream I see 